Welcome to This Week in Jacksonville Business Edition. I'm Kent Justice. This podcast focuses on economic development in the River City and in our region. And in today's episode, The State. I recently spoke with Florida's Agriculture Commissioner. Wilton Simpson has both a legislator's background as the former Senate president and as a businessman. Simpson owned and managed a large-scale egg-laying operation in Florida. And we spoke specifically about the Sunshine State's economy as we close out 2023. Commissioner, let's start with, I uh, guess, the broad picture. How do you feel like things are going, especially when we talk about economy in the state of Florida? And obviously, that's a big part of what your office focuses on. You know, the, the economy in Florida has been doing quite well. <clears throat> we measure it by the sales tax that we collect each month, and we track that each month, and we've still been above projections. So it means we're growing a little better than what we projected to grow. Um, whether we have more tourism or what have you, we don't always know immediately where it's coming from, but we certainly know that we're still grow in growing mode. You clearly, with the rapid rise of interest rates, it's having an effect on the housing market, it's having an effect on commercial real estate and the like. Um, Florida appears to be faring probably better than almost every other state so far. And so right now we're, we're still doing really well and um, um, we, we've got some, you know, some challenges, but right now we're doing pretty, well, pretty you know, good. Where do you identify some of those challenges, the, the headwinds, if you will, for the state, especially as we get the close of 2023 and head into 24? When you think about going into 24, you got to think about, are, is the country slowing down to the point where it's going to trim tourism? That clearly would have a major impact on the state. Um, are the interest rates really going to bite on the housing market? commercial real estate. So as you go into 24, I think we're a little more cautious um, of the numbers of 24, perhaps. Um, normally in a presidential year, you know, the economy does pretty good. Right. Um, normally. So, normally. <laughs> normally. But, you know, we've had such a bad first three years. I'm not sure why four would be any good, you know, from an inflationary perspective. Um, we had some good news yesterday on the inflationary front. It's coming down. Um, we're still not down to 2%. So, you know, the, I think the Fed's going to be, as they call it, higher for longer on interest rates. And that over time will have an effect on the, um, on the economy. When you think about 30 years ago, we'd say, well, you know, maybe Europe can have a recession and the United States would avoid it. We really never could, though. I mean, once a recession starts. So a lot of folks believe that maybe Florida will avoid the worst of a recession. You know, we've spent the last 10, 12 years really diversifying our economy more into manufacturing, our deep water ports. So we have a lot more import-export business today. We have a lot more business opportunities in the state of Florida under Governor Scott. We took um, sales tax off of manufacturing equipment. At that time, that was about an $83 million investment. So we've really tried to do things to diversify our economy in the state of Florida. Under the old economy, um, tourism was number one, agriculture number two, and building um, um, was number three. During recessionary times, agriculture would be number one. During a pandemic, um, mm -hmm. agriculture is number one. And so now we're trying to build a fourth leg of that stool with manufacturing type jobs or IT jobs. As Senate President, I spent a lot of time investing in our university system and college system as it related to vocational jobs and those IT jobs that are going to be necessary for that future growth in the economy. And we're seeing the fruit of that labor. But if the rest of the country goes into a recession, I'm not sure Florida can avoid at least a mild recession. Well, and, and you mentioned that uh, it, it, Governor Scott, so he took office January 2011. So obviously, as a nation and as a state, we're just coming out of or trying to recover from 
the last real recession that we'd had. You know, you had a twofer there. So you had the Great Recession that Governor Scott inherited, right, and, and brought us through, and then you had a pandemic. Yeah. And Governor DeSantis obviously has helped lead us, lead us through the pandemic. And so I got to serve with both of those gentlemen. And, um, but I would say, you know, under Governor Scott, we clearly focused, and his whole mantra was jobs, jobs, jobs. Right. And no matter what the question was, it was about jobs, jobs, jobs. And, and so he worked very hard on the regulatory structure in the state of Florida and, and on sales tax, on tax relief, debt reduction. You know, in 2010, the state of Florida had $30 billion of debt. Today, we have less than $16 billion of debt. So we're doing a you know, fantastic job of paying our debt down. And in a comparison, um, the next state our si close to our size is New York with 19.5 million people probably three million less than we have, they have over $160 billion of debt. So Florida's going into any type of a slowdown with a really nice balance sheet, um, low debt. Um, we're one of the lowest taxed states in the union per capita. And so when you add all those things up and the economic freedom that we've in, you know, put into the systems here in the state of Florida, you're seeing not only continued net in migration at, at a very fast, fast pace, maybe a thousand a day, but you're also seeing, you know, the largest formation of startup businesses in any other than any other state here in the state of Florida. So we're very proud of those things. Again, that leads to other challenges: the cost of real estate, the cost of doing business here, home costs. Um, and but you know, from a federal level, the biggest thing that's hurt Floridians in the last three years is the inflation, the, the just the incompetence yeah. of the federal government and their programs. And and so um, you know, that's that's affected the entire nation, and it certainly has affected Florida. Yeah, so I think the, uh, there's a bottom line part for someone who's not interested in the least in the economy, but when you go to the grocery store and everything's twice as much and all of that, I mean, you, you feel it. Everyday citizens feel it. And they and the, the people that are hurt the most are the least fortunate amongst us. The lowest paid um, amongst us are getting, getting hurt the most in that equation. And as a farmer, longtime farmer, you know, all of our input costs have nearly doubled, in, whether it's fertilizer, fuels, packaging. And yet you've seen some abatement of that fuel, um, but not packaging, not other inputs into the cost of doing business in the state of Florida. The labor cost certainly hasn't come down. It's, it's going up. Land costs have went up. Um, and then complying with the regulatory structure um, is going up. Our best management practices that we have to use every day to um, take care of our lands, the water usage, the nutrient loads that we put on our crops and things of that nature is costing us more and more money. Um, and a lot of that was driven from the federal government policies leading to greater spending, which led to greater inflation. And we're not gonna get that back out of the system anytime soon. Commissioner, you mentioned that there's an effort that your office has uh, conserving, uh, I guess, urban lands and some development costs. I don't understand it yet. Help me understand what this, uh, this effort is. We have a great program that's called Rural and Family Lands Program. Okay. And what Rural we do, lands. Thank rural you. lands. And well, these are farmers. Um, you know, as Senate President, I champion the Wildlife Corridor. We put it in state statute. Um, and what the Wildlife Corridor is, is if you Google a map of the state of Florida at nighttime, you'll see all the beautiful lights. Mm -hmm. Everywhere it's dark on that map, it's wildlife corridor. It's where animals traverse from the Keys all the way to Pensacola if they choose. Um, but it's also where our aquifer gets recharged and it's where we grow your food. And so the rural and family lands focuses on farmers that would own land all over the state, but 90 plus percent of it's within that wildlife corridor. And we go and buy the development rights instead of buying the land. If I buy you that land as a state, it comes off the local tax rolls. If I buy your development rights, it stays on the tax rolls. If I buy your land, 
I then have to go to the legislature the following year and get more money to take care of that land. But if I leave you, the farmer, the landowner, in charge of your land, you have to use best management practices to care for it, but the private landowner's taking care of that land. And so, and if I buy your land fee simple, for every, um, I get about two and a half times the buy on just buying development rights, because that farmer still owns their land, they still caretake that land, they still do their farming activities. So when you're thinking about how do we take down as much of that space and not allow growth in that area where we need it for farming, aquifer, wildlife corridor, that's the best, that's the best bang for the taxpayer buck. What, what's the benefit for the farmer, the landowner? So the landowner, a couple of things. Is we have had three listening sessions in the last month as we've vetted. Um, we opened that program up this last June, first time in five years. As Senate president, I put $300 million into the budget for this um, specifically for rural and family lands. The value to the farmer is, is first of all, they want, some of these are three, four, five, six, seven generation farmers. They want this to be generational farming. That's number yeah. one, it's in, their, it's in their DNA. Huge priority for them. That's exactly right, huge priority. And then number two, they, as they, if they sell their development rights, clearly they can use that capital to do additional farming, uh, do a, additional things with their farming, more intense farming perhaps. And so they get um, the capital infusion, we get the development rights, and then of course um, they can well know, and most of these are multi-generational farmers, they know that in perpetuity their family is gonna have um, land to farm on. What, and the concerns there, and we've heard it many times in the last month, is you know, is it their great-grandchildren, their great-grandchildren's grandchildren, is gonna say, hey, you know what, I'm tired of farming, I'm gonna walk away from this. Let's assume that happens at some generation. They can still sell that property, but the exchange then would be a set of an ag, it would go to another ag family at that point because there's no development rights on it. And so they'll know that in perpetuity, their farm will be farmed. So your personal background is in farming. You're, you're an expert in this matter. How would you explain to folks who have never really been in agriculture the impact of agriculture on everyday life for everybody from Pensacola to Miami and Jacksonville to Tampa? Everybody in the state is impacted by agriculture. Absolutely. Well, Chris Sprouls, when we passed the Right to Farm Bill a couple of years ago, Chris Sprouls was my Speaker of the House at the time. He was the Speaker of the House when I was President of the Senate. And he said it best. He said, you need a farmer three times a day. And you know, you may only need a lawyer once every few years or so, but you need a farmer three times a day. And when you think about your farming community, and, and by the way, we take it for granted because we've had such an abundance of food, but the United States is now a net importer of food. If the pandemic taught us anything about our supply chain, we clearly do not produce a lot of our medicines today. We don't produce semiconductors and things of that nature. That's what created a lot of the inflation. A lot of the policies that we put in place 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago at the federal level, which ran manufacturing out of this country, is what led to such a, uh, an enhancement of those inflationary pressures um, at the federal level. If we become a, a serious importer of our own food products and a pandemic hits, do you think the countries producing the food are gonna take care of their people first or ours? And then what happens if a major war breaks out? We do not want to depend on other nations. And we've got a lot of great trading partners, a lot of great trading partners all over this world. And, 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 I, and it's very important that we have free trade, very important. But the reality is, is, as a national security issue that agriculture is, and a lot of folks will challenge the national security um, notion of, of agriculture. And I, I put it in terms like this. 
We all know oil is a national security issue. We have strategic supplies all over this country of oil in case there's a war outbreak, in case there's a major disruption. What if um, you didn't have groceries in the grocery store just one week, just a week in this country? You'd have chaos, right? And in 30 days, you'd have people starving to death. During the pandemic, farmers didn't get to take a day off. You know that because every day you went to the store, there were groceries there, there was food there. And so farmers are a unique breed. It's in your DNA. Um, as you grow up in farming, it becomes in your DNA. And it's something that we need to look at as a national security issue and that when federal government, and unfortunately we do not have a, a friendly federal government right now towards farming, but state governments, local governments, the work we're doing with the legislature was all about getting hurdles out of the way of our farmers. And um, so we're very proud of our record the last three or four years, um, making sure we're trying to do everything we can in Florida to clear the path of our farmers so that as the real estate continues to rise, they continue to farm. We are constantly working to bring you more interviews like this focused on economic growth in our region. You're gonna find more episodes right now on News for Jacks Plus. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Jacksonville Business Edition.